Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> Doesn't get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another armorific negator packtastic episode of Fan Holes Comics, motherfucker. Do you read them? Hey guys, what's up? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone. I've got a whole contingent of fan holes over at Stark Industries here with me tonight. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's on the call tonight? Hey, it's Mike. Stark Wars, Star Wars, I just got that. Hey, this is Comrade Justin. Hey guys, this is Tony, and there's a lot on my mind, and I'm feeling a lot of pressure. But I'm sure it's something a little sex won't help with. <laughs> I guess uh, Rhodey doesn't have that out, huh? Oh! <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right, yeah, so, so we're here tonight. We're here to talk about a rather famous Iron Man story in the lore. We're actually here to talk about Armor Wars. And I, I almost think now the, the name Armor Wars is, is pretty much as much of a, I don't know, IP or name brand recognition thing as Iron Man himself, because, I mean, there have been tons of sequels and follow-up miniseries, and, and I guess there's going to be the you know, inevitable Disney Plus series, and and so I guess one way or the other, we we decided it's it's an anniversary, and we're going to discuss it tonight. It is basically, uh, let's see, what is it? 1987. What is this? I I can't even add math, Justin. What is this? Like 35 years old? Yes. Okay, so it's the 35th anniversary of Armor Wars, and essentially the, the creative team behind this whole shebang is the editor was Mark Grunewald, the writer was David Michelini, the penciler Mark D. Bright, M.D. Bright, plotter and inker is Bob Layton, letterer Janice Chang, and colorer is Bob Sharon. And we we sort of well I guess I sort of decided we talk about this issue by issue because this is this is kind of not something even though it was a trade and and I'll get into that a little later it's not something that was written for the trade you know it's something that was written with the whole notion of A B and C subplots and ongoing subplots and you know the kind of standard kind of comic book Marvel writing that was you know normal during the the 80s when it came out and everything but we'll we'll go ahead and we'll uh, we'll we'll start on the first issue which is Iron Man 200 
25, which the title of is Stark Wars. After a successful test run of an attack warning system for the Pentagon, Tony Stark, aka Iron Man, is shocked to discover the armor of his reformed foe, Clay Wilson, aka Force, contains his Iron Man technology. With a lead from Clay that the tech from his armor was supplied by Hammer Industries, Tony and Rhodey recruit computer hacker Mr. Zimmer and Scott Lang also known as Ant-Man, as his quote-unquote backdoor man. That, that, that means something else somewhere else. The team works together with Iron Man, creating a distraction at the Transcorp Tower, so Ant-Man can flip a switch and Zimmer can get the dirt on Tony's stolen technology. Although the system is quickly shut down, they get the data needed which reveals that Spymaster sold the tech to Justin Hammer, but didn't reveal that Tony Stark is secretly Iron Man. While Tony Stark tries to engage his legal team to go after Hammer, Iron Man confronts other tech-based villains with negator packs, such as Stiltman, the Mauler, and finally, the Controller. When one of the Controller's victims dies in the battle, Iron Man gives the Controller a severe beatdown, leaving him just barely alive as he attaches the negator pack. However, days later at Stark Enterprises, Tony's legal team happily tells him that they have secured a court date, only it won't be for another year and a half. With his legal options exhausted, Tony is willing to do whatever it takes to save lives and stop the techno-villain community from using his technology and heaven help anyone who gets in his way. And that is the introductory chapter of Armor Wars. I guess just real quick for me like iron man 225 is a spinner rack comic for me so this was something i was trying to remember exactly where i got it and it's hard for me to remember to be honest like i was trying to remember if it was something i got it like the the thrifties and i i think maybe it was the thrifties but i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure like i don't have as distinct memories of it and i i think maybe that's because I was not like of of my friends. I was not the Iron Man guy, you know, like it was like I, I bought this because I was curious about it and I thought the cover was cool and it had a bunch of different villains and stuff like that. But. I guess I left that up to other pals, you know, kind of like how, you know, I, I don't know, like in, in my in my comic collecting, I guess, career, you know, there have been instances where other people were, you know, they, they had characters that were their favorites. And so what, what you common, I don't know, this is something I just commonly did was when somebody had a focus, then that kind of took the pressure off of me to focus on collecting those issues, whether I liked them or not. So it's like, I did read this whole story, but I never, I never owned it until I bought the trade paperback and all this other stuff later on. But like, for me, this, this has an iconic cover just because, you know, it was something I bought off the spinner rack. So, but it's kind of weird. Like I, I sort of associate that with, you know, when, when you have those sense memories and it's something that just stands out to you and you can, you know, pick it out through, you know, a giant, you know, internet page of different comic covers and you just point that one out and go, hey, I remember that one. Like I bought that off the stands and it, it you know, it's got the Silver Centurion armor, which is like my favorite Iron Man armor. Like this whole kind of era is kind of like my 
my sweet spot. So I, I was looking forward to talking about this. I guess I'm just curious, like, you know, I, I know at least for sure Mike came to Iron Man a lot later. So his sweet spot is probably not the same as mine, but I know he enjoys Iron Man. You know, I would I would point to to, to Mike as somebody that is more of an Iron Man fan than me. So, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm curious to hear what everybody's introduction to this was, if it's the first time they've ever read it, if they've read it in the past and how they sort of stumbled onto it. Honestly, like, I think I read some back issue part of this way back when, but I think I actually saw like the adaptation of Armor Wars that the 90s cartoon did before I actually read the story like and and that's a pretty good adaptation of it I think it's a good two part episode it is, yeah. yeah but uh, I I don't think I read this story properly until they they released like a trade of it and I don't even think it was like the first trade of it like I I think it's like a, the 2006 edition of the trade was probably the uh, first version okay. I owned and like I think there's a vert like a an edition maybe it's the one you had the an edition before that like probably like in the late 90s or whatever I think it's the cover of your avatar is that mm -hmm. the trade yeah. yeah yeah that's the trade yeah I've, I've got a, another a different cover and I think the publication date is, that, is like 2006 maybe is is that the one that has the 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 armor he changes to yeah it's, it's got the neat it's got the neo, neo classic, classic armor okay. on a blue okay. background i think okay. yeah it's in it's in my bookcase right now i'm looking at it yeah so yeah 2007 it says so that's probably the first time i was i like i, I knew you know armor wars obviously was like talked up huge like and i was like you know what i've never actually read the original armor wars and i'm like you know back in 2007 like when that trade came out i got it and that's the first time i read this and I read it and I was like, you know, uh, yeah, this was really good. I think, uh, honestly, like, I think I like the animated adaptation better, but like, this is still like really, you know, this is still a classic, like foundational Iron Man story. And like this issue itself, like as, as like double sized as it is, and it like this issue itself by itself is a pretty good, you know, uh, encapsulation of the whole concept, basically. I mean, yeah, he finds yeah. out his... His armor's been stolen. He goes and, like, you know, takes out a bunch of armored villains. And then, like, he, at the end, he's like, well, I got to take out some more because I can't go to, go at this through legal channels. And, you know, and heaven help whoever gets in the way of Tony Stark and his Jerry curl. Like, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think especially in that that sequence where he he's remembering, you know, he, he thinks of pictures and then he's got that flashback like this is definitely written in that style where you you didn't need the inside cover blurb and it wasn't like everything written in the early aughts that was written for the trade where they 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 didn't want a bunch of exposition to get people up to speed like they expected you to know all this shit already or whatever the deal was and like that i mean that tells you everything you need to get up to speed on Iron Man. Like if you didn't know who he was, you find, you know, it's, it's like, it's a quick one pager that goes through like the history and how he's got all these armors. And then you, you know, you sort of innately understand like, Oh, he he's created this tech. And now this tech is, you know, he's discovering it's been, you know, stolen out from under him. And that's why he's so, you know, irate over the whole thing or whatever. But what what about you, Justin? What's your first experience with with Armor Wars and, and maybe possibly issue 225 of Iron Man? 
bought issue 229, the Crimson Dynamo Titanium Man issue. Okay. Probably at a flea market or somewhere. And I just, you know, I guess I just liked the cover and bought it. I mean, it wasn't my very first issue of Iron Man. It was kind of an early-ish issue for me. And then I remember, like, other kids telling me about Armor Wars and stuff. And I was like, oh, I think I've got part of that. And then I remember getting the Stingray issue a little afterwards, you know, after, like, kids on the playground talking about it. And then, kind of like Mike, I'm pretty sure, like, the next thing was I watched the animated version of Armor Wars. And then a little after that, I think I finally managed to track down all the issues and read them because by that time I was reading, you know, a lot of Marvel stuff and collecting a lot of back issues, and I just ended up buying most of them at one spot, I think, that I... Or the issues that I was needing, I bought most of those at one place. And yeah, like it, it's been a long time since I sat down and actually read this. And it, it was a lot of fun revisiting this. Like some of it I didn't remember. And I had it like I was trying to remember it in my head. And I was like, oh, this happens. And it was like, oh, I've got all, I've got all these things like out of order inside of my head because this happens and then this happens. And, but yeah, this was a lot of fun to revisit. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I I did rewatch the the two part Armor Wars animated episodes too, and they sort of resequence and reshuffle certain events in this when they adapt it among you know doing some character swaps here and there for for different you know either villains or, or heroes or whatnot right that Tony encounters, but. It, it, it makes sense to me because if if you guys had you know like especially Mike if if he had watched that animated sequence first he, you know you might get used to to that sequence of events whereas in the in the comics it's 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 a little you know like you said 229 is when he finally encounters crimson dynamo but in the in the animated thing like crimson dynamo is like the teaser before you get into the you know i am iron man or whatever you know like all that stuff so um but what, what about you, Tony? Like, is this is this something that you're familiar with? Like, I know I know I kind of gave you the bum rush tonight, where you were trying to catch up with all of us and and kind of cram read this. So I'm I'm curious if you had ever read this before, or if it was just kind of a quick refresher for you. I'm, I was like familiar with a lot of it. Armor Wars was kind of a big deal. So like, especially like the whole thing with uh, Tony's tech being like, you know. Pandora's box. The only the, the the thing that I remember reading in hand, oddly enough, was the what if comic, like what if Tony uh, Stark what if he lost, lost. Yeah. Okay. Lost the it was all Scott Lang's fault. Fucking Scott Lang. <laughs> You're fucking gassed and it fucking ruins everything. God damn it. It's funny you say that because reading over this, I was like, Oh yeah, like Ant Man has a role to play in this and I was yeah. thinking it was like larger like something like there was some screw up and i was like oh maybe that's a tie-in or something or or a later issue where he has consequences for helping iron man but maybe it was that what if i was thinking of in the back of my head i don't know yeah because he he gets messed up in that what if and then that that makes a whole sequence of events that causes tony to dye his hair blonde and do the the coffee bean thing way before ben riley yeah so yeah yeah he shaves his mustache yeah i did like this first issue though because it, it kind of gave you a nice little scale of like Stiltman is kind of the mort iron man takes him out easy because Stiltman's more of a spider-man daredevil villain he's more of a street hero villain he even says like i'm i'm no fucking master iron man i'm the stilt guy the reason i have mauler as my avatar 
is because Mahler's the smartest guy in the whole fucking miniseries. He's like, here you go, Mike. Here's my fucking suit. Bye. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get paid to fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's like fuck this. <laughs> now I'm like, you know what, sir? That's some that's some rare intelligence I don't get to see very much of. And I actually did kind of like the fact that Controller was kind of a bigger bad because he is considered more an Iron Man villain. It's also like the first consequences with like, well, pretty much killed a civilian and stuff. So like, yeah, it was kind of cool how they kind of raised the stakes as the issue went along and. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a a good like premise and a good starting point for the whole arc. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you bring up Stiltman and that. It, it, it's funny to me because like Stiltman and and the Beetle, like they were kind of played for for laughs a bit on that cartoon because Stiltman was was kind of like Rocky Balboa and and the Beetle was like uh, I don't know like Paul McCartney or, or Ringo or somebody because yeah. it was like it was like they were you know you, they they had to have the one liner about it being a hard day's night and all that stuff and I think with Stiltman it's like he's like I'm I'm walking here you know <laughs> like whatever you know whatever Adrian I'm walking or whatever so you know they 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 did play that up that he was kind of a a goofball or whatever you know in that. Uh, in that animated thing. I know the controller fight, I think, is, is really fun. I I liked, and I still like, that animated Armor Wars. I, I think there were some things in it, though, that, that I, I got weirded out by, because I think in that animated version, he's got, like, an all-white outfit for some reason, and I don't... Did, did he ever have a white outfit in the comics? Like, I don't, I don't remember that. But for some reason on that animated version it's like maybe it's just of, like the coloring like gray is white or you know no or the opposite no no it wasn't it's all white yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't bad he he looks he he looks like a, a freaking uh you know he looks like he belongs in the vatican or something you know what i mean like he 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 it, it's pure white where it's like you know if they if the state guys came in and did the i'm the pope uh you know and they spill all the fucking meatballs on him like it would ruin the outfit like like that that's how white his his outfit is like even the the dark blue parts so i i was always kind of like huh i wonder why they why they did that like i don't i don't know if they thought there was some confusion with like some of the other toys or characters like blizzard or somebody but i i never really got that and i i don't know that i know the controller's history enough to know if if he he actually had that outfit at some point but you know of course they don't they don't bring in the the civilian death or anything like that but in in this in this comic it's it's a very much you know knuckle you know biting drag out you know fight and everything that just to get the negator pack on the guy and like the other thing I mean, th this is probably the first time I don't I don't know if I had realized the distinction at the time. Like, I think I recognized Ant-Man, but I don't know that I knew the difference between Scott Lang and Hank Pym. Like when I first read this off the stands and and now I do. Right. Like, obviously, many years later and stuff. And then, you know, I mean, the the other thing that I thought was interesting was like the kind of. Uh, I guess I, I was trying to look up what the terminology is, but the, at, at the end of the issue, it, it's it's the final panel, and and Tony has what they call 
steepled hands or aka power position gesture you know it's like i was looking it up like where it's like the book of body language and it's like that this the 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 power position gesture is used among the reputable and elite and i'm kind of like oh yeah that's that's totally tony stark right like so they totally they totally thought that through you know at the end it's supposed to be like that that he's 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 crafting a plan and he's 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 coming up with, you know, stuff to do and he's he's, you know, and then there's that aspect of, you know, arrogance too, like that he's gonna he's gonna basically he's got the plan to fix everything and stuff like that. So I mean all, all that stuff I thought was kind of cool. Um I mean they don't they don't really make comics like this anymore. Like they really, really don't. Like like there's there's splash pages and things, but then there's there's pages that have, you know, 12 to 14 panels you know just one page you know it's like it's like if they if they needed it to to tell you the story points they did i think my my only other big note on this is a kind of a joke but i'm just like man how have we had like three iron man movies and all these other movies with iron man in it and mrs arbogast has never been in a goddamn iron man movie i'm like (laughs) dude justice for mrs arbogast man what is up with that like like But yeah, I mean, otherwise, like I'm I'm a big fan of this run. I I uh, to be you know I don't know like like jumping the lead like Armor Wars is probably my favorite Iron Man story period, and 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 I love the pencils with with uh, Bob Layton's inks. You know, I think all that stuff is really cool. I will agree with you, by the way, as far as Secret Brothers for the Silver Centurion armor, it, it is one of my favorite designs. I don't have time for one of your morality lectures, Jim. Yo, we'll make time. I'm here to put the kibosh on your act one way or another. Don't you get it? I have to do this. I have to. It's the only way to make sure my designs... Wait a minute. Your war machine armor is also one of my designs. So I'll, I'll move on to issue 226, and basically it's the same creative team. These are all kind of 75 cents, except for this. I think this double-sized one for 225 was $1.25 because it was a double-sized issue. But the, the, the rest of them were all kind of 75 cents. The title of Iron Man 226 is titled Glitch. And when the trio of armored villains called the Raiders attack a USAF cargo plane, Iron Man saves the pilots and manages to place the Gator Packs on all three baddies. Although he's been successful thus far, Tony Stark is beginning to feel the blowback from his hardline stance on the stolen technology. In addition to facing lawsuits, Zimmer warns Tony there is a name that is missing from his hit list, and the number one suspect is not a villain, but the caretaker of the Avengers' hydro base, Stingray. When Stingray refuses to turn over his government-issued armor, this leads to a confrontation with Iron Man. Although Iron Man defeats Stingray when he plants the negator pack on his person, nothing happens which means iron man went after the wrong man this leaves tony stark with no alternative but to publicly fire iron man from stark enterprises and that is issue 226 well in retrospect i was always surprised that stingray made it into that animated adaptation because i know that's the first time i ever encountered stingrays on that cartoon so like 
So when I actually read this, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like directly from the comic. Like, that's cool. Like, I mean, I guess they they literally had no one to replace them with, I guess. Yeah. uh huh. There was no like water guy that used like tech based stuff at the time, probably. But I guess all I'll say is, ha ha, Danja, take that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying, yeah, somewhere Danger was like pissing his pants in joy. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, this is what, what uh, I don't know. Maybe this is also revealing my ignorance because I've never really done a gigantic read through of all of Stingray's appearances, right? But like, to me, this has always been the. De- I mean, I know this is going to be like, this is kind of a joke, right? But is this not the definitive Stingray story? Like, what, what other Stingray story is there? Like, at the time, he was a reserve member for the Hydra base Avengers team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he took he took yeah. care of the Hydra base, but the, I, but but I mean that I mean that that's was that's even, it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what what else did he do? <laughs> I mean, well, when you think about it, it's like <sighs> Iron Man beat him underwater, so he beat him like it's like you know in his in his own turf. Yeah, yeah, Superman out racing the Flash or something. Like he beat him at the one thing he was supposed to be like the bestest at. Like I, I did like the Raiders though because they are like I love some of the terrible design of these suits. Like the one of the Raiders has just like fucking I don't know like throwing jacks on his hands and. They look stupid, so they kind of deserve to be, like, nullified as, like... I also think this is kind of, like, maybe Marvel's way of, like, getting rid of some really crappy designs, you know? Mm. Like, like, let's let's do some, like, spring cleaning, you know? (laughs) Just shitty-ass, you know, concepts. So, so what I'm what I'm hearing is you don't want any Marvel Legends of the Raiders, even though they could they could make people buy three of, like, the same figure. Right, yeah, all they have to do is switch out the hands. Like, like, everyone comes with, like, the different hands, but you gotta buy all three. Yep, so have yep. I'm 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 pretty sure in the foreword to the Armor Wars trade, I forgot if it was Layton or uh, Michelini who wrote it, but they said that one of the aims of this storyline was to reduce the amount of armored like tech villains oh, in the to, Marvel to make, universe. Yeah, to make Just, Iron Man more unique. Yeah, sort of. Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. Like and then that's why like you know he mentions oh what if it's like Doctor Doom who has my technology because obviously they can't get rid of Doctor Doom so he's like well right, I'll, ne- right. I'll never take him on so like yeah <laughs> could it be Doctor Doom nope <laughs> I think again it's another really great cover on on two twenty six I I don't like I said I I I love this storyline but I I didn't own like any of the other issues, like when I was a kid, I would just go over to my buddy's house and read his, I would read his Iron Man stuff, his, his Captain Marvel stuff, which was mostly issues of Shazam. And he, he loved Iron Fist. So I always felt like it wasn't, it wasn't my responsibility to collect those. You know what I mean? Cause I was like, Oh, I could just go over and read his stuff. Right. Like, so I was, I was fine with that. But eventually like I did have that first trade paperback and and the main reason why I owned it was because this was, you know, uh, maybe, you know, 99, 2000, 2001. I did not have my entire comic collection with me when I lived in my apartment in L.A. for a really long time. Like, I just, you know, I, I, I bought what I bought from the stores and then I would usually periodically take trips back here and put them all in boxes and you know what i mean like they they would they would all be uh, you know in storage at this house 
and and my apartment was you know just whatever comics I had around. But it, it got to the point where I guess I wanted like some kind of bookshelf of like the best stories or my favorite stories or whatever it was. And then that, you know, it, it's like all, that's whole collector syndrome, right? You, you, you buy a few cause they're the best, but then all of a sudden it's like, then, then you've got a whole bookshelf of like Marvel masterworks and all this other shit that you really didn't need to buy, but you bought it any, you know what I mean? Like that was when I was getting into like the Ditko Dr. Strange. I bought all the, I, I bought a bunch of, you know, Ditko and, and Ramita, Spider-Man Marvel Masterworks and all this other stuff. And of course, in my mind, you know, the 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 best Iron Man story was Armor Wars. So I'm like, I'm definitely getting a, a trade of that. And that this was like Mike had brought up like one of the first editions. And then I will forever associate this with like the death of Star Wars, right? Because the I I went to see episode two, Attack of the Clones, in Burbank, California. And I was the, you know, I, 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 I think part of why Star Wars died was because I was always the guy who was like helping everyone get the tickets and and come, you know, because it was like I think for for Phantom Menace, like I I must have bought like fifty fucking movie tickets and was the one of the main guys standing in line, like to get into the theater, right? And then you can see the the drastic decrease because and and maybe it was me like not wanting to put up with all the bullshit too right in Burbank it was like I I drove I think I think it was at best like five or six tickets including me right so enough of us to fit in one car or something like that and so I think I think you know I I got the tickets in advance and then and then I think a you know a, bu- a bunch of us like drove out there or whatever and then I think I was like the main guy you know, hanging out in line early or whatever it was. Right. And I had bought that, that Iron Man armor wars trade paperback. So I remember, you know, this is before, you know, I don't know, really advanced cell phones or iPods or what, you know, whatever the fuck you would do to kill time by yourself in a, in a line, right. Or a long wait or something in a line. And I just remember, I, I think I had, I don't know what I had. I, I don't know if I had like a little chair or something, but I, I think I, I I don't know if it was a backpack or something, but I had something that was decent enough that I could sit on for a little bit instead of, you know, standing the whole time. And I, I specifically remember I just I, I, I sat down there in the line and I I pulled out my Armor Wars trade paperback and I I read the whole damn thing because I had I that was specifically I remember that must have been right around the time I. I acquired that trade, even though it was one of the more, you know, classic ones or older ones, vintage trade paperback or whatever, because that was what I was getting into trying to track down these, you know, quote unquote, hard to find trade paperbacks that have been long out of print just because they had really good stories. And, you know, at the time it was it was before the early aughts, essentially. So they weren't like, you know, Mike said the, the copy he had, they didn't make until what, 2006 or something. So this was like five or six years before that. Right. And, and so I, I sat down, I read the whole thing was, was pleased as punch with myself. And then I went inside and star Wars died, you know, and that was, but, but anyway, the point is I, you know, I, it was like, that was what I did. Right. Like, you know, to kill some time and have some fun or whatever before I, you know, so it wasn't just like, you know, this boring thing waiting in line, but I guess for that reason, I'm going to forever associate armor wars with, uh, with, with, uh, attack of the clones, I guess, or whatever. A terrible memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I yeah. said, I mean, it's it, 
technically like the store while well, the story is like you said it armor wars has become an ip it's like it, it was originally like called stark wars yeah like, yeah and like i like i said i didn't like i'm exaggerating but it took me a long time to realize that's supposed to be a pun on star wars like stark yeah, wars yeah. yeah so and i i guess i guess it's worth bringing up that even the animated episode didn't care for the raiders as well because in in the 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 same sequence takes place you know so, some villains hijack a plane and iron man radios the captain to duck as he smashes through the plane in a cool sequence and takes out the bad guys but in that it was like the the main three bad guys that mandarin would normally use as his his hench goons on the first season of iron man which i think was like blizzard backlash and gray gargoyle i think and they were they were all in like souped up giant armors and stuff and then he put the negator packs on those souped up armors so even the, the that that was something that was you know a character swap in that that animated adaption or whatever those designs were unique in a in a sense it's not like they just reused the same designs for blizzard gray gargoyle and 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 backlash and just kind of said oh yeah they're armored bad guys or something it was like no they literally had like you know exosuits that were like around them so they had to design those exosuits as well so so they they definitely put some more effort into i guess that 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 adaption put some effort into using some characters that were pretty commonplace on that show as opposed to just inserting you know one for one they're still, they're still spending money yeah 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 I, I guess my other note on this is that kind of kind of what i think you've been alluding to uh, a bunch in our pre-chat tony which is you know poor roadie man it's like that marcy just seems to be her purpose in life is to nag the shit out of him like basically and 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 give him blue balls i guess the whole time or whatever like at the at the very least there's some great payoff for that like when after tony fakes his death like 20 issues from now like the first thing rody does when he takes over stark enterprises is fire marcy i would always get into these fights this was again pre marvel cinematic universe pre robert downey jr as iron man this is you know long long ago in a galaxy far far away when i was sitting in a line reading an armor wars trade paperback to watch attack of the clones and I, I would always get into these fights about, you know, because we, 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 you know, even back then we would be like, oh, who, who do you want to play? You know, so and so if they ever made a movie. And I was always and you guys can laugh at me all you want, which is fine. But but because uh, because people laughed at me, too. But I was always like, dude, Tom Cruise has to be Iron Man. I was totally like adamant about that and the the reason why was i was like have you seen eyes wide shut like he's got that paranoia thing like fucking down man and i love like it, it doesn't really come across it in in necessarily in the the 226 because it's just a fight between iron man and stingray but i've always loved like in the the uh cartoon adaptation after he beats up stingray war machine you know roadie shows up to like say hey boss you've gone too far or whatever and and i love how like tony's just casually like just yeah roadie you're gonna give me some crap you're gonna you're gonna you know preach to me about all this other stuff and then like on a fucking dime drop like he changes he's like wait a minute your armor 
is also one of my designs. And then he totally like fucking full on attacks his like best friend or whatever. So I was like, yeah. I was like, if it, I was like, if anybody could pull that kind of like turn on a dime moment, I was like, oh, it's that's got to be fucking Tom Cruise. But that was always my, you know, because because to me, I, I you know, again. I, I'm probably not the greatest Iron Man fan in the world. So, so, you know, of course it's biased. Like I always thought to myself, like, well, Armor Wars is the greatest story ever. So if they're going to make a movie, they should make a movie about Armor Wars, which is like totally unrealistic. Like that was like the, the kind of, uh, I don't know, you know, early twenties thinking, you know, that, 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 you know, the mentality of that, that doesn't, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But at the time, that's kind of where I was, yeah, where I was we, coming from. You know me, like I'm a stand for like Robert Kay's Iron Man, and like yeah, yeah he yeah. does he does such a great job in that episode, you know, and he's like punching the shit out of Rhodey, and he's like can't stop, like must not stop, like you know. There, that, that you, you know what's interesting to me about that, like like that show, the the performances in it, like and and this is not even a negative thing, but I I always felt like the vocal tonality of that show always subverted my expectations and not necessarily like in a not not that I hated it, but I, I it, it it's that that for me like as an actor it was like always that thing of like that's a really unique direction you took with that line reading like. And and it might not necessarily be how I would have read it or how I read it in my head when I read the comics, because I I guess my my perspective is different probably from yours, Mike, because I read the comics first. So like when when I when I read the end of this, you know, and 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 basically it's it's got the it's not really a, a splash, but it's got this huge. You know, it, it's the biggest panel on this, what, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's a six-panel page, but it's this wide panel. It's got Tony Stark in all his Jerry Curl glory going, he's fired! And it's got a big exclamation mark on it. And, you know, to me, when it got to that point in the press conference, like, I fully expected Robert Hayes to, you know, you know, like angrily you know like like exclamation point like he's fired you know like 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 it's this big moment or whatever but it it's it, it was always funny to me how he you know his delivery was just kind of like simply enough to say he's fired you know and 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 it was just this matter of fact thing and everybody freaks out about it and like th there was always that to me i i, I just always thought that they're especially him but but the, the show in general had like such unique line readings that i i, I and and again no, nothing bad but it just it just never would have occurred to me to to uh, attack that kind of performance that way and i always thought that was very interesting i i also kind of think like this whole thing like i guess in in the modern era like you can't really do stories like this where people don't know that tony stark is iron man because i you know, it's like these days with the movies, like you could never I mean, everybody knows he's Iron Man. Right. There's there. You know, these these characters all have, I guess, you know, quote unquote, open secret identities. So you couldn't have Tony Stark firing himself, you know, which is sort of classic Tony Stark. Right. Like but but you can't can't really do storylines like that, I guess. I think at this point, this is like the third or fourth Iron Man shit. He, he's high. He fired himself like three or two or three times at least by now. Yeah, he always says, I hired someone else, like, to be Iron Man. Do you have anything specific on Stingray or, or anything else, Justin? I like Stingray. I... Do, you, do, you, do you have a counter for me? Like, is there is there a better 
like showcase for Stingray, like something where he looks cool, maybe that I'm not thinking of or nothing comes to mind directly. I was gonna say I knew who he was going into this, but I was trying to think. I don't know if I encountered him in Avengers first, or maybe it was like one of the Submariner titles. Mm, because, okay, know, okay, I'm, yeah. You know, I'm a yeah. Submariner guy. Pro- I, that, probably that Submariner sense. is yeah. probably where I first That makes him. sense, yeah. But I mean, you know, I, he's, a, he's a good character. He, he's a good support character to like, you know, back you up. I mean, yeah. but I mean, I get what you're saying. He's, he's one of those characters. You see him, he shows up every now and then, but it's like, does he have a definitive iconic story? Well, Maybe he has like a moment like this, but beyond that, mm-hmm. it's maybe mm-hmm. just, you know, it's like, oh, like here's an issue of, you know, Prince Namor, the Submariner, where he's backing up Namor and right. they're, they're right. fighting Atuma, and, you know, defending Atlantis or something. Like that's, he, he's one of those characters that just has like smaller, like backup moments. And, and don't get me wrong, Marvel Legends guys who, who clearly listen to this podcast all the time, like I want a Stingray for my. George Perez Avengers display for sure. So definitely, definitely want a stingray. But uh, got a cool outfit. Yeah. I've always liked the like mental gymnastics and anguish Tony goes through with this moment, both in the cartoon and in this comic, mm. because it's like, okay, he knows what he has to do. Like he's determined to destroy the armor that's been taken away from him. And so he's like, well, you know, do I do this? Like this, is this a line I should cross? Like this, this is a good guy and he works for the government. Like, should I go after this guy? And finally he decides, you know, I I have to, I can't even leave one piece out there. Like what, you know, what, what if someone captures or kills Stingray and they take the armor from his suit and use it and, you know, repurpose it and they make the super raiders or the ultra raiders or whoever, you know, they, kill a bunch of people so he's like okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna cross this line i'm gonna get this guy and they have this underwater battle and kind of like mike says like iron man beats him in his own domain so that's kind of embarrassing but iron man wins and it turns out like his suit doesn't use any of his technology so he kind of like went through all that for nothing and he made things even worse for stark industries or is it industries or enterprises? I forget at this point. Enterprises? I think it's No, it's industries. Industries. He makes he makes things worse for Stark Industries and for Iron Man to the point where he has to like fire himself <laughs> from his own company, basically. But, but he, I remember just I was like, oh man, after all that, like the mental gymnastics, the battle against a, a fellow good guy. He wasn't even using any of his technology. You're just like, ooh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting to me because the the story itself, the comic itself, uses that that mind control boy's death as the catalyst. You know that that makes Tony especially go through a lot of those mm-hmm. conniptions or, like you said, mental gymnastics. Like that's that's what he's hanging on to, right? This because he, he doesn't necessarily blame him well it's hard to discuss but he he doesn't like he he doesn't hold like it's not like he's the one that like you know crushed the boy or blasted the boy or you know what whatever you know he didn't physically do the deed but because his technology was used he feels you know responsible because that's an outcome that his technology had that led to that boy's death whereas the 
the animated show, I think, falls into that. I'm I'm gonna call it the the Star Trek Generations pre nine eleven trap of trying to communicate something in a I don't know a, a network friendly way where you know they have Crimson Dynamo and Iron Man fight and then the 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 bomb goes off and and he's just like armor radiation mode so he's fine but like all these other I guess Russians have radiation poisoning and presumably they're all dying right but there are all these you know again like Star Trek Generations you know with Data and Picard just looking at blips on a screen there are all these faceless nameless blips not not human beings like not real people that you can see and have sensitivity for the the agony of what they're going through and I feel the same way with that opening sequence it's like that's that's again part of the motivation right like what why do you attack someone and and was it worth it to do that and and to Tony I think it is right even though it was a major setback and an f up or whatever but I I think I think he might have you know, he, if he had to do it over again, he might have done it again. Do you know what I mean? Like, like just, just oh, yeah. basically saying, I, I don't want any human beings to get radiation poisoning, or I don't want that little boy to get crushed in the in the fight. You know, between me and the controller, like, and and use that as the rationalization for like, look, if I have to rough up Stingray so that you know one one kid or one person doesn't have to die of radiation poisoning i would do it you know like that's i think that's what's kind of eating him alive or whatever that's one of the reasons i really like this story is it's the the escalation of the conflict and also like all the things going on in tony's head like it's like okay i have to do this because my armor was used and this this kid died so he fights stingray and then it's like okay i have to take on shield and fool them okay i have to take on Steve Rogers, I have to take on Titanium Man and Crimson Dynamo, and one of them was gonna get killed. And then it's just like it's like one step further. He's like, oh, I can do this. I can take one more step. But then when he takes that step, it's like there's another line he has to cross, and then another oh. line he has to cross, and it just keeps, you know, it's it's that old saying, the the road to hell is paved with the best intentions, and he's he's walking into hell, and he doesn't even know yeah. it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen of the. It's all this stinking pressure he's put on himself. As you know, my employee, Iron Man, has embarked on some kind of vendetta. He's refused to explain his behavior. He's treated his friends in a way that's inexcusable. And now I must report that Iron Man has fled. He's a fugitive from justice. Therefore, effective immediately, I'm terminating Iron Man's employment by Stark Enterprises. To put it simply, he's fired. You lousy lying. You're fired! Thank you. All right, let's let's go on to 227, and that is titled The Last Mandroid. The next target on Iron Man's list is the armored villain, the Beetle, the Beetle, 
After negating him, he then turns his attention to some of his allies, specifically the S.H.I.E.L.D. Mandroid that contains Tony Stark's technology. After ingratiating himself with head honcho Nick Fury by giving up a fake identity of Iron Man, he plays along to get all the Mandroids in one place to use his negator packs on them. Despite being forced to attack non-armored S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, Iron Man scrambles their inner ears with Sonics and successfully neutralizes all of the Mandroids. Tony Stark then plants a bug in the S.H.I.E.L.D. base of operations in New York and storms out, claiming Iron Man must have bugged their headquarters to get the drop on them. A few days later, Steve Rogers, a.k.a. The Captain, is on his doorstep asking Stark about making him a new shield. Stark agrees, hoping Cap will be indebted to him and stay out of his way when he goes after the Guardsmen. So, uh, I guess uh, I've only got a few notes on this, but Beetle is a unintentional, Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning tie-in! Like, I don't know, you know, and then, of course, what we discussed before, the, the kind of goofy, I, I don't know that I, I mean, for a one-off joke, it's fine, but, like, if, if Beatle had to talk like Ringo Starr or Paul McCartney or whatever the whole time, like, I would, I would be grumpy, but since in that animated thing, it was just like a one-off sequence, it wasn't like a, a huge deal or whatever. I was, I was curious, and I looked it up, and, uh, you know, like, nowadays, they retcon, you know, Nick Fury as knowing, like, everything ever, and, like, there's no secrets from him or whatever. And there's like a later mini series where like like Tony like goes to talk to Nick Fury and he's like, oh, by the way, like I'm Iron Man. Like, I know like you didn't know that. And Nick Fury was like, I knew that. I always knew that. And then like Tony brings up this issue where he's like, what? You didn't know I was Iron Man then. And Nick Fury is pretty much like, yeah, I don't know who you talked to there, but it wasn't me. So this might have been a like an LMD of Nick Fury in this mm. issue. I, I was going to say, like, I always loved how he fools Nick Fury because you're sitting there reading this. You're like, well, Nick Fury's, a, you know, like he's a master spy, dude. Like he's going to like see through all this. But no, Tony pulls the wool over his eyes. I always love that. I think I think it's interesting, too, because it to, to sort of cut some of the quote unquote fat, like not that this isn't a, a good issue or a good subplot, but to, to cut some of the quote unquote fat from the animated uh, adaptation, I mean, in that it's it's long established that Nick Fury knows that Tony Stark is Iron Man. So there's that, you know, that he's involved in that two part episode. And, you know, but for the most part, he's the one that kicks it off. He's like, hey, Stark, examine this Crimson Dynamo armor. And then that's when Stark finds out it's got some of my technology and I'm going to go start the armor wars. So they they sort of put that off to the side, whereas here it's, you know, some something that's sort of like a vital part of it. And and, you know, they, they go through a lot of, I don't know, creative backflips to to preserve the, the concept of the secret identity, because that was something that was crucial in this era. You know, it was super important to to all. All comic book superheroes, not just Iron Man or Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or whoever. Right. And it's like now it's like. I don't know, you know, it's, 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 I mean, I mean, I, I get it to some degree, like people, you know, you know, I don't know. So, you know, there's that contingent of people where enough is enough, like Lois Lane wouldn't be that stupid or, you know, whatever, whatever the argument is. Right. But like, I don't know, like so, some of it, you, you're kind of like, look, like there, there's a reason why that's, 
that's part of the genre because you're you know you're the, 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 i mean re- regardless of what wh- whatever the audience is now you know i mean mostly it was young kids mostly boys right and and there was that aspect of you know especially you know feeling maybe you know introverted or isolated or whatever it is right and and you know the the, the thing of you know j- just like tony thinks oh he has to handle everything on his own right you might have someone who's reading this that thinks the same thing right and you you always sort of um i don't know th- th- there's an aspect of the fantasy that that the person that you are or the person you have to play in real life whether it's you as a student going to school or i don't know you as a you know, what, whatever you do in your daily occupation, you know, but then there's that person you are at, you know, I don't know, a convention or the person you are, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, fulfilling a, a secondary career or a dream or, or, or whatever it is. Right. And, and so I think that's something that's unique to superhero comics, but they've, they've sort of, cut that dream off at the legs, you know, and in some degrees, I mean, I, I think the only person that's still, I mean, I don't know, I, maybe I'm wrong. Right. But, but I think one of the only people that still hangs on to that heavily, at least in a lot of films lately is, um, is Spider-Man, you know, like, like, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I have my own unique opinions on those films, but, but I, the one thing I will say is that it doesn't, you know, it, I don't know. It's not like everybody in their well until one movie, right? It's not like everybody and their brother knows who he is. But there, there does seem to be that that push that that like this this notion of a secret identity is silly, you know. And it's just like, well, I mean, then then it, it, I don't know. To me, it's funny because that that then to me means you think the underlining pinnings of the entire genre are silly and don't work for you if you're not i don't know like this is probably a a weird horse to bring up or get on my horse about or whatever but but it it, it is kind of a weird thing that, that like you can't accept the 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 conventions of the you know like it's just i don't know it'd be like well yeah all them cowboys wearing cowboy hats is stupid you know, and it's just like, what the fuck? Like, are you, you know, I don't know. Like that, that's that kind of thing that like drives me nuts is like, well, that's, that's the whole point, right? Like, I mean, you know, or, or at least a large point of what, what that genre is dependent upon. Just as far as like this, this issue, there's some like mental gymnastics to go over it, but I, I will say like, Tony's got some brass balls in this one. Mm-hmm. He, do you just like, gonna go lie to fucking shield <laughs> and no way am i lying to shield but i'm gonna take back the shit i gave them this isn't like stingray who like had his own little fucking suit maybe maybe got an upgrade that was possibly illegal so okay okay there's there's a problem there but no like tony even says i made those suits it's my technology but uh no nah, i can't have that gotta take it back it's like that is some brass ass balls it's like geez just Savage, and, and and I will say it actually works so good at the middle gymnastics. The scene where Iron Man attacks the Mandroids, I'm like, why are they like like Tony? What are you doing? Oh yeah, that's right. They don't fucking know Iron Man's Tony. What the fuck am I thinking? It totally like whiffed me for a second because I'm so used to everybody knowing Tony Stark as Iron Man. Well, I mean, in some sense, it's it's like trying to 
reconfigure your your home network after you've had uh, a virus or something. You know what I mean? Like it happened to you once, right? And you've paid the price for it. And I don't know, maybe your identity got stolen or you got, you know, you got one of those stupid, you know, call us up to unlock your PC or, you know, whatever stupid thing happens or you get you get fished or you get hacked or whatever. Right. Well, the brute force, you know, the the the, you know, block everything approach is kind of what Tony Stark is doing in this. Right. It's like, no, I can't just go after the bad guys like because how does he know where the leak came from? Do you know what I mean? Like for all he knows, some Mandroid operator took a smoke break and that's how the spy master got the, the technology in the first place. Right? Like, so to him, he's like, dude, I'm plugging up every security hole I possibly can so that no one but me gets this, you know? And so that's, I mean that, you know, again, it's, 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 it's sort of narrow, right? It, it, it you know, he's, 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 you know, slightly on a vendetta, right? But, but, and there, there's that kind of narrow-minded focus to it, right? But that's, that's kind of where he's at with this. And like, like we've all been saying, he, you know, it, it's like he, he kind of goes deeper and deeper into it. And it's like, you know, once you, once it's, it's like once you start blocking everything to, to protect yourself, it's like, it's like, and you've already you know, I don't know, burn bridges, let's say with shield, right? It's like, well, I've already done the thing with Stingray. Like I might as well do the thing with shield. You know what I mean? Like if I'm, if I've gone this far, I might, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I need to keep going the whole way, you know? And that's, that, that, that's the thing that I don't know, maybe to me and bring it up like other things, but that, that to me is the thing that is ultimately like super dissatisfying about the, the comic book version of civil war. I mean, if, if shit was so important, they never would have surrendered. You know what I mean? Like, like if, if whatever, wh whatever they were fighting over was so goddamn important, Cap should have never surrendered. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, I, I don't think Iron Man, he, he, he tricks people. He, he, he pulls the wool over their eyes a number of times so that he can have an Iron Man status quo after the story is over with. But I don't think he ever, surrenders do you know what i mean like he you know that kind of thing i guess just as a funny side note like did you guys have anything to say about all the celebrities in the audience i guess when uh, iron man is fighting with the beetle well, i noticed I saw... michael j fox but i couldn't yeah. identify some of the others you've got don johnson for sure because he says this this had never happened in miami oh. so that's that's miami vice right and 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 yeah, you totally recognize Michael J. Fox. And then and then he's asking, has he ever made the cover of People? I'm guessing that's is is that like Pierce Brosnan or somebody? I I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming that must be somebody who's like the sexiest man alive or something. And I assume the girl is somebody because she's like you know he didn't even have an invitation or whatever. Yeah, I mean probably. Well, if it's Don Johnson, I don't know. Maybe that's supposed to be Melanie Griffith. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I'm like Justin. The only one I really nailed was Michael J. Fox. Because he says, I bet he could go back to the future in that. Oh. Right, right. That was a little ham-fisted. <laughs> Where's your security? Don't you know anybody can fly in and steal this thing? Sorry, Beetle. 
you're in for a hard day's night. I, I do have a almost seven hour podcast about the captain or Captain America no more and all that stuff. So again, this kind of epilogue where Steve Rogers shows up to get a new shield. I mean, that that's also, I guess, maybe may a little obvious, but you know, my favorite Iron Man era and my favorite Captain America era come head to head in this. And it, it it's probably not out of the ordinary that, uh, that those would be my, you know, that those would both be my favorite eras of the, the character. And uh, conveniently for Iron Man 228, because I, I already covered that before, I, I sort of already have a synopsis for it. But the title is Who Guards the Guardsmen? And the issue opens with the meeting between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers from Captain America issue 339, but from Tony Stark's perspective. Stark plans to continue his armor wars by using negator packs on the armored guardsmen stationed at the supervillain penitentiary known as The Vault. When Steve gets wind of Tony's plan, he asks him as a friend not to do this. Tony is unwilling to back down and sends James Rhodey Rhodes into the vault disguised as the Spider-Man villain Electro. Rhodey shuts down the vault's perimeter defenses, and the Silver Centurion Iron Man enters the vault. As the two knock out most of the staff with PC2 gas, the captain quickly follows Iron Man into the vault and places on a gas mask. With only 12 of the 41 guardsmen on duty, Rhodey uses negator packs on all of the off-duty suits. Iron Man manages to take out and negate four guardsmen, while Rhodey negates a fifth guardsman who gets the drop on him. Iron Man takes down six more guardsmen when the captain arrives to stop them from negating the final guardsmen. When the guardsmen's air supply starts to run out, he begins to suffocate. As the captain removes his helmet, Iron Man immobilizes the captain with an electric charge. Though immobilized, the captain remains conscious as two old friends lock eyes. Tony negates the final guardsman's suit of armor, effectively ending the longtime friendship between the two Avengers. In the epilogue, a vault maintenance crew discovered that Mr. Hyde and Titania cells are empty in the aftermath. Dun, dun, dun. And that, of course, gets continued in Captain America's book because he has to track those suckers down. This is basically what the cover blurb says it is. It's it's Iron Man versus the Captain. I I do remember being slightly disappointed that uh, that it was Hawkeye that shows up, although that makes way more sense in context of the Iron Man animated cartoon because he had lots of history with Hawkeye on that cartoon and, you know, the whole force works thing or whatever. So because of where they started it, but there, there was that slight thought when I was watching the adaptation was like, Oh boy, are they going to have the captain? And I mean, it was probably naive. Like even if they didn't have Hawkeye, they probably would have just had captain America and not, the captain right like so i don't i don't know what i was thinking but you know you, you you whenever you see this stuff you 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 want it to be what you remembered it was right like so otherwise this is this is making me double think if i should go get some some more marvel legends guardsmen's figures you know like to have <laughs> uh iron man fight a bunch of them and that's a pretty epic sequence when iron man and cap lock eyes right like that that that's you know that that is a definitely a heightened and dramatic tension moment. So, I would say that like this scene or this confrontation is pretty much the callback comics wise. I know it's different in the MCU, but who gives a fuck? But like as far as the comics, 
I think this is always the callback. It's like always like this is where they went bad. Like, you know, Civil War, all that stuff. They may not say it directly, but it's like, remember that time you fucking uh, shocked me at the uh, vault? I remember that shit. You're an asshole. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it, like, I, I wanted to ask, yeah, because, like, I agree with Tony. Like, I feel like this is, like, the first time they really, like, you know, put Iron Man and Cap, like, at odds, like, for serious, not some kind of, like, you know, oh, the chameleon disguised himself as Captain America. Like, let's fight, like, you know, or whatever. Like, right, this, right. It, because, you know, the signposts are this, like Operation Galactic Storm, and then probably Civil War. So, I mean, yeah, like those yeah. are the three. And then maybe, like, you know, time runs out with Hickman, like the major, like, flash yeah, where they, of their... Yeah, they, yeah. They, they have that knuckle-down beat down. I, I mean, that's obviously, like, like yeah. well, it, it's kind of, like, very extreme. It's like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. you can chart the, like, you know, progression. It's like here... They, you know, Tony just like tasers Cap, and then they have a meaningful look at each other. Then, like in Galactic Storm, they have an argument, and like you know, it's a very like you know intense scene. Then, you know, Civil War, they come to blows, and then like you know, they basically kill each other by the time Hickman's run, like you know, kills yeah, her. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. You know, I mean, I think I think the '80s was you know, and especially the late '80s was was an era where that was something they were willing to explore. I mean, I mean, I, and I guess, I guess I have my own biases when it comes to the Avengers. I mean, to me, I always thought the Avengers were kind of assholes, right? Like, like, I mean, I, I know that's a funny thing to say, but I mean, I always point to the Korvac saga, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I always felt like when it all came down to it, like when the shit really hit the fan, like they're tossing people up, <laughs> like, you know, don't kill me, kill this guy instead. You know, it's very, I don't know, like the, the, there are moments like that where you're like, come on, man, these guys are, these guys are not as selfless as they think when this shit hits the fan. Right. And, 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 and I guess that's, that was always supposed to be the Marvel heroes, I guess, selling point, right. That they were, they, they had, they had real problems, you know, they had problems that, that you or I would have, you know, that, that, that you could, you know, relate to or whatever. And I think, I think the main reason why, and then a lot of people point to this too, but, but the main reason why Iron Man and, and Cap or Tony and Steve do inevitably get placed into conflict with one another is because that, you know, it, it's more of a, I mean, I, you know, to me, like most people say, like Captain America probably would be more at home with the DC heroes than with the Marvel heroes. And, and 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 that whole thing, right? Like so, so there is that aspect where you know that th there's going to be that point where they they don't necessarily see eye to eye. But you know, th different people have different interpretations of things. I mean, I remember when when Civil War was first announced, and and um, you know, my one of my buddies is like, oh yeah, so Cap's going to be on the side of the government, right? And 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 when we looked at it, it was kind of like, oh no, he's not, you know, like, and and so so again, like like there there was that thing of like Tony Stark's the man, you know, like like that that whole kind of moniker that he ended up getting in those stories, you know, and and this is this is not that, you know, but this is definitely a, a story where their their friendship, like. You know, if if it wasn't for the kind of 
cyclical nature of comics, you know, the thing that Grant Morrison's always talking about in his X-Men run, the, the, the reset button, the status quo, the, you know, you have to keep the characters the same, but change things up enough so that readers are interested in them and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think, you know, and I, I've, I've probably said this before on different shows or whatever, but I think if, if this was real life, you know, and these were real friends, this moment would have broke them. You know what I mean? Like permanently, right? Like that, 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 yeah. and, and, and in some cases, like, yeah, there, there were moments where they hadn't talked to each other for a while, but I mean, they seem to, you know, they seem to get over it. They seem to have conversations after Operation Galactic Storm, you know, that, that, that they, that they try to, I don't know, patch things up or, or smooth things out or at least, you know, remain working colleagues or whatever you want to equate it to, you know, but, but I mean, there, there are some things where you, you can't, you know, you can't undo, right. You can't walk it back. And, and, and I, I do think that, you know, because of the cyclical nature of comic books, they've had like four or five things that you can't do in a friendship (laughs) that you can't walk back. Right. Like, so. Was anyone else offended when Rhodey did whiteface? Well, I was no. like, I was like, whoa, he's appropriating my character. And I'm like, well, Jamie Foxx is also Electro, so fuck, I don't even know what I'm at anymore. <laughs> this is where they got the idea for Jamie Foxx Electro. I was reading right. this and I was like, I don't remember Electro being in. Oh, oh, oh. I forgot all about that. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm the guy who's playing the other guy who thinks he's the other guy. I mean, if you're offended by this, then I guess you should be offended by white chicks too, right? Like so. <laughs> well, and for anybody who reads this, who well, who needs to read this, even Rhodey makes fun of himself. He'd be like, "I would be made fun of till Christmas if anybody saw me like this." So yeah, yeah. I always laughed at that when he's like, you know, if any brothers saw me, they'd raz me like from here to Christmas, like you know. So yeah, so he he's aware. He's aware, guys. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, my. The, 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 this is definitely the big payoff for like I guess for the, the superhero part of this because this is Tony basically attacking another superhero who is not Stingray I mean no offense to Stingray but he's not Captain America Yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah so for Tony to put his hands on this guy even if it is just a gentle shock he'll be okay I, I love how Tony did like they do that a lot in this fight. And I understand why, but like, they're like the guardsman fell 400 stories and got hit by an elevator, but he's wearing armor. So he's not dead. Well, yeah, there's, there's lots of, of, uh, justifications or, 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 you know, this kind of, uh, I, I don't know anything. I, I don't know what else to call it other than, you know, like G.I. Joe, like, you know, parachute syndrome or what, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it, it's that thing, like you're saying, like, I mean, they they literally have gas that will not cause, it's like this fictional gas that will not cause harmful effects. Like, and if you look, you're like, there's no gas that does that. If you gas people, like, they're going to be sick for the rest of their fucking lives and they'll probably die from it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like there's no, there's no harmless gas. I mean, it's just like, you know, to me, it's the ridiculousness of like, okay, Batman doesn't believe in guns, but he'll throw a batarang that yields like high explosive. Like, I'm sorry, someone's going to die from that. Like eventually, 
right? Like, so it's it's just kind of like, you know, e you either have to just accept that and just kind of move along with it and go, okay, no no guardsmen were hurt in the making of this film, or, you you, you know, you can you nitpick the shit out of it and call bullshit on, like, you know, m most of what they're doing, right? Like, that, that, you know, there's no harmless electrical charge. Do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no harmless explosion that just innocently knocks people out like no one gets a kirk chop you know what i mean that 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 does the same thing as a vulcan nerve pinch you know like so i mean they're, that's they're not, usually, they're not usually so egregious to point it out usually like yeah, you know yeah, yeah batman there's a batarang it's just he throws a batarang or Superman well i mean the guy he punches the regular guy this is like you know every time almost every time iron man does something he's like well their armor will you know take the impact you know Right, right. And, and and essentially it's the equivalent to like when, when the Punisher comes into confrontation with, with cops or soldiers or something like that that are, you know, uh, not, you know, mercenaries or, or, or bad guys, right? It's always like this thing of like, I don't kill cops, so I'm just going to casually disarm them. And uh, this gun butt to the fucking face is not going to do them any permanent damage, you know, like, and you're just kind of like, okay, well, I, I guess I just have to roll along with that. You know, it's like, it's like when I kick this guy in his nutsack really hard, it's like, it won't like affect his ability to impregnate his wife. But, you know, uh, luckily I'm, I'm not shooting him in the head like I would a normal criminal, you know, like type thing. So. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, there is, there is definitely a line that they, they don't inadvertently want to cross, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to leave that in the air where it was like, did Iron Man just kill everybody who was guarding the vault? Yeah. I mean, I understand that, you know? Yeah. I yeah. I mean, I mean that, 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 that seems natural for, for something that is, you know, again, it's, it's a code approved comic and, and, you know, there, there, there are, I mean, as, as, um, as fantastical as it is, I mean, if you're going to accept that a dude's flying around in an Iron Man armor or a guy has super soldier serum or whatever the fantastical stuff is, it's like you can, you know, you, you can suspend your disbelief to think that everyone parachutes out of Sky Strikers or, you know, what, whatever the deal is. Right. Like, so that's that that's part of what this deal is. Like, you know, no, no guardsmen were hurt in the making of this motion picture thing um but i mean again like if you if you want to nitpick the shit out of it like yeah that i mean if 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 you're trying to do this uh you know alan moore miracle man take on armor wars then yeah all those guys got uh majorly killed and fucked up and you know <laughs> they, they 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 went home and told nightmare stories to their wives as their penises didn't work anymore because iron man need them in the balls or you know wh whatever the deal is you know there's there, there's all kinds of uh, uh, terrible outcomes that that you could probably, you know, skew this towards, right? But you know, yeah, that that that's well, I, that's I not I, the direction they 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 you know they tease, right? They 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 went, you know, th these are the kind of stories where they 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 went in a direction where they they went sort of in a realistic fashion, but not so much so that it it becomes kind of this all-encompassing thing that that uh, as, as people like to say didn't you know they're they're effectively trying not to break the toys it's like the minute the minute iron man snuffs a guardsman like you've you've broken the toy right like so you're you're trying not to so you just say hey these guys are fine because uh guardsmen all have pillows in the back of their you know in the back of their armor so it's it's fine he fell 500 yeah, feet because he's got you know he's got pillow absorbing armor fall 
someone. I think the only really reason it was really noticeable is because there are so many guardsmen. Like to this point, it's been like maybe five guys tops, and this there's like a dozen. So for them to have to say it over and over again, you just kind of I noticed it more. That's all it is. It's not bad, yeah. you know. But it's just you know just something I picked up. On. I thought it was kind of funny at some point. I'm like. You know, don't worry, Fairviewer, he'll be okay, you know, so yeah. No, 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 I mean, I, I think it's worth discussing and, and worth talking about, because, you know, it's like, I I, I I I get what you're saying, you know, it's 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 definitely easy to go down that road and kind of scratch your head and wonder, is this is this really, you know, like, like basically, with, with all the things that went south with, with Iron Man's fights, whether it's the fight with the controller, the fight with Stingray, you know, like there, there, things could have gone a lot worse in in yeah. this fight as well, right? I, I guess <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of curious, Mike. Did you want to talk about um, Hawkeye's being the replacement in this, that or or even the notion that they, that I guess, in the adaptation they called the Guardsmen Mandroids, so they were trying to like sort of amalgamate the the shield stuff with the guardsmen you know all in one hit or whatever like because i know you said you preferred that version like is that is that something that still holds true in this terms of this sequence do you do you have any affinity for the captain era like that kind of thing like i'm just curious what your take on that is I, I mean, obviously, it's more effective in terms of the show itself, considering like mm-hmm, Hawkeye, mm-hmm. you know, was, you know, working Absolutely. with Tony Stark and whatever. I think, I mean, honestly, like back in the day, like, uh, like I probably think Hawkeye was a more of a threat to Iron Man just because he, you know, he was an Iron Man villain. Like, I mean, he mm-hmm. did. I feel like he has the artillery to at least like slow Iron Man down. I mean, this is. I mean, nowadays you can have like Cap go one on one with Iron Man, and like you know it can be in a fairly, you know, not even fight, but he can hold his own. But like back then, I was, you know, I, I felt like Cap was kind of out of his league. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it's like in terms of the comic, it's stronger dramatically. Like if it's Cap, like in terms of that comic at that time, but like you know, it, in terms of the you know cartoon, it was. Like you know, subbing in Hawkeye was a really good move. Yeah, uh, yeah, for I, that I adaptation was... and like because, like I said, because I knew he was a you know Iron Man villain originally. Like it also works on that level too. So like I thought he could be a threat to Iron Man. So yeah, I I, I thought it was a good a good. Uh, I mean, I think they had a lot of good swap outs where they they made it work for the context of the the series and everything. You you didn't have to have you know. Tony Stark's like, you know, 40 different girlfriends that he had and all these issues. It was just Julia Carpenter the whole time. Right. Like there were there were things about that show where it, it streamlined everything and, and, and got the same point across, you know, and, and, and I think the, the Hawkeye thing worked. Right. Because the people that were only watching the cartoon gave you that same vibe of, oh, shit, somebody who used to be Iron Man's friend is now telling him to knock the shit off like ooh like that i mean that's what you're supposed to think whichever you know whether you're reading the comic or whether you're watching the show and they they work in both those individual capacities what do you know i just got a bite okay old friend it's time someone put a stop to your little public hissy fits <laughs> lucky me i've been elected all right we are moving on to Iron Man 229, and the title of this is Red Snow. 
Iron Man provides an explanation for his recent actions to his West Coast Avengers teammates, but it comes too little, too late. Hawkeye tells Shellhead that his actions are reflecting on the team and it needs to stop. Nothing more is said as Iron Man flies off to continue his armor wars. Tony suits up in his stealth armor to take on the Titanium Man and Crimson Dynamo in Mother Russia. Next, Iron Man gets the drop on the Gremlin in his secret hideaway while he is outside of his Titanium Man armor. Meanwhile, the KGB holds Crimson Dynamo in reserve to go after the victor of the battle. Gremlin's auto defenses end up hitting the Crimson Dynamo, and this results in Iron Man being able to use his negator pack on Dynamo first. Although Iron Man manages to blast Titanium Man by matching his stealth armor's color to that of the white snow, Titanium Man crushes the only negator pack Shellhead had left. As they continue to battle, Iron Man's jet boots inadvertently ignite the Titanium, sending the flaming armor into the ocean. With the Gremlin dead, the West Coast Avengers demand Tony turn in his Avengers ID card. Like you said, they kind of, like for the animated adaptation, they kind of swapped, mm-hmm. you know, both Crimson Dynamo's role and like, you know, what kind of, I mean, the result is ultimately the same. Like they both, like the Crimson Dynamo dies on the cartoon and like, you know, Titanium Man dies here. Or, well, the gremlin, you know, just using Titanium Man's armor. But, I mean, yeah, I think I, I, this, this is probably one of my favorite issues of this whole, like, uh, you know, crossover. I've always liked the Crimson Dynamo. I think I think this is the same dude I like the same. Like, I know there have been like eight Crimson Dynamos or whatever, but I think this is the one I like. I, I, I think um, I, I got to look it up. I think his name is Valentin Shadowoff. But like he shows up in my favorite Iron Man story of all time, which is uh, I think it's Iron Man three fifteen through three seventeen. But uh, I think it's the same one. I'm not totally certain though. It's not the same armor that I like. But like the the armor, the Crimson Dynamo armor I like is the one that shows up on the cartoon. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, this is a you know cool battle. Like you know it, again, like very high stakes, and it ends in like sort of tragedy. Like and. It continues to show like the cost that Tony's crusade is like taking. So, I always thought it was interesting that um, the Titanium Man armor that's in this issue is not the Titanium Man armor that's on the cover of two twenty five. But but I, I do I do kind of like this Crimson Dynamo armor. So it definitely like still a lot of Cold War stuff going on here, kind of too. It's like you know like you know filthy American pigs and all that stuff and. Uh, the Dynamo is more of a uh, uh, loyal, you know, USSR operative, and the Gremlin is just kind of an asshole. It's crazy how. What's the best way to put it? It's it's not even something that Tony notices at first. You know, they're like the 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 Gremlin hasn't been like a bear hug or something like that. And he doesn't even realize that his boot jets are, you know, glowing white hot. Even like the people on the ground see it. They're like, you know, it's like, ah, the, you know, Iron Man's boot jets, they're going white hot. And like, it was completely an accident. He didn't mean to kill the guy, but that's just how far it's gone to where I think the old Tony would have noticed that. Like, or a more balanced Tony, one who'd been mm. getting, you know, hadn't been so much in this vendetta. 
or he would have had a better armor because he even says like the stealth armor is perfect for getting there, but it's, it's like literally the worst armor to fight two armored individuals, you know. And like he was planning on going one at a time, but the, I mean, you know, he should have kind of figured that like he was going to probably get both because the worst thing probably was going to happen. So it was like I don't think this was like his best plan because like well, the reason I say that also is also because. He deliberately leaves Rhodey out. And even Rhodey's like, yeah, that's probably smart. That's, this is a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is just like a poor plan altogether. Uh, the fact that he even got, well, he ended up getting both of them, but the one not the way he wanted. The fact that he was able to get one pe- peacefully is kind of impressive. And then I know, Justin, you mentioned this was like a, a an issue of Iron Man that you sort of picked up off the stand. So do you is this something you have particular fond memories of or yeah and i've always had a you know kind of like mike i've always had a little soft spot for titanium man and crimson dynamo probably going back to this very issue i don't think i understood that there were like multiple users of those suits or multiple versions of those suits just as there are multiple suits of iron man armor i don't think i quite understood that at the time i think you know reading later issues of iron man i was like but wait titanium man is dead like the gremlin died oh well the gremlin died but there's someone else in a new titanium man armor oh okay i get that i think it kind of took me a while yeah i have a lot of fondness for this issue and i think what's maybe most impressive is the gremlin stays dead i don't think he ever comes back to life ever maybe it's just like a flashback or a hallucination or something but he's still dead so that's something it's like we can add him to the you don't bring back bucky thing because they brought back bucky now you can be like they they don't bring back uncle ben and gremlin <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how they're they're willing to like get rid of like villains who are not a part of iron man's rogues gallery because like okay titanium man is technically iron man villain but the gremlin's not the gremlin's more of a hulk villain so that's kind of funny they're like yeah kill him <laughs> yeah he started off as a hulk villain but i guess because you know of his his background as a as a filthy red akami uh he acquires the titanium man suit kind of becomes an iron man villain for a little while and then he dies <laughs> then he dies <laughs> It is where they really sold the Iron Man stealth armor, because there's been a lot of very diff- variant versions of Iron Man and black armor that's not War Machine and various toy lines, and I think it's because of this issue. I think they're like, you know, whoever is in Toy Biz or or Hasbro or whatever, you know, toy uh, manufacturing company, they're like, hey, you know, if we just paint this thing black, we can make a fucking stealth version. So, marketing. Yeah, I think I think there there were some really good stealth armor covers in the previous Nicolini Layton run, but they they that the the stealth armor is definitely something that they're they're fond of. I think I think that was something that I always thought was uh, I don't know a little Harry Potter about the the animated series. You know, Tony sort of had that ability to sort of morph his regular armor into whatever armor he needed to to do the job, you know, type thing where, you know, he, he, if I, if I recall, he, 
he changes his armor from his his standard armor to like the drill armor to like topple over stilt man, you know, like th- those That's, types of things. When when Bendis started his run on Iron Man, like his armor could do that too, and like Bendis was like, oh, he's never been able to do that before, and I'm like, no, Bendis, sorry, you, another totally original idea from you, the cartoon. <laughs> he could do that. He could transform his armor mm. to any armor he needed. It's cute, cute Anakin Skywalker. Liar! Robert Hayden's angry. He is angry. He's like, send us your fire. Yo, hey, I'm standing here. Ooh, Iron Man. Drilling armor. Tilt man, looks like you don't have a leg to stand on. So uh, let's let's go on to Iron Man 230. Iron Man 230's title is The Day the Hero Died. The final foe that still has elements of the Stark technology is Edwin Kord's recently developed firepower armor. Iron Man tries to use his negator pack on firepower and discovers the government reverse-engineered the pack that was used on Stingray to shield the firepower armor from its effect. Iron Man is severely beaten, and when the military fires a missile... It looks like the man within the Silver Centurion armor is dead. So that's kind of the the quick synopsis of Iron Man 230. I really like the splash, like even though it's like a virtual reality Silver Centurion armor that Firepower is engaging. I, I think that title title page splash is pretty pretty damn cool. The other thing that I I don't think I took super notice of when I was first reading this as a kid but I, I take notice of now is like when he's at Stark Enterprises in California, like you could see he's got his bar full of empty bar bottles. And then a few pages later, you've got uh, Abe Zimmer there with the, the chilled apple juice. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, it's like that thing of like, I don't know how to explain this, but it, it it was one of those things where it, it's like they they were still showing the effects of uh, demon in a bottle, even you know that, that that it's a constant struggle, and that you you sort of I, I don't know. It seemed like that at least the people in his inner circle were aware of it and supportive of what he was trying to do. It's like you know, here you go, here's some chilled apple juice, and it it's you know I I don't know. Sometimes I notice when you when you change circles. You know, like that, like that can be a, a, a thing you either have to uh, deal with or ignore or, you know, I don't know, like that. But but it's 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 to me that there was some, you know, subtle, you know, it, it wasn't anything that was they were trying to hit you over the head with. But I, I thought it was something cool that that was still always something that was in the background, you know, that that was, you know, maybe not part of the main, you know, Stark War or whatever you want to call it. But it was still something that they had to deal with. Well, I, I will definitely say that uh, firepower, Marvel Legends build a figure right there. Get to work, guys. I, I think it is kind of interesting that they like have all these characters that we know, or at least have a passing familiarity with. And I guess the 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 big bad is is a totally brand new guy. And it's also kind of funny because it's it's a uh, court. He's got a reason to hate Iron Man, but this whole thing is always like you know. It started with Hammer. They they said, you know, it was like Hammer 
pirate spy master and like hammer's not in this at all it's interesting because that was something in the animated thing that was very streamlined instead of it being spy master and hammer i think it was like ghost stole uh the tech and gave it to justin hammer but like even in the background of those animated episodes, like I, I want to say it, uh, it was it was Hammer that made the firepower armor, you know, and they they you know they tied it all together in a sort of like a a neat little circle. But yeah, you're you're definitely right that this is this is something that is I don't know akin to the 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 multiple A B C D subplots of the time, and they they didn't you know the 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 Hammer thing was not synchronized with. Edwin Cord or, or or firepower or anything, whereas I think in the the animated thing, just like you know, streamlining all the girlfriends or whatever, that was that was something they tried to do when they did the the two animated episodes. I, th- right. I think it was I think it was funny in the animated adaptation. They kind of like made firepower just a drone and made it kind of look like yeah. a battle tech drone or something like that i kind of thought it looked more like ed 209 but i mean i mean i I guess i guess the point is the same right yeah yeah i always like like uh, tony's right like i would like a firepower like you know bath like like i i always wished firepower was like a bigger deal than he was i guess like like he's like jack taggart has shown up as firepower like a, a few more times like over the years but he's always like a grunt or something but like he's such a good like mirror to Iron Man, I guess. Like he's he is using Tony's technology, like like if you want to say like Tony is like you know anti munitions now, like he's trying to make up for you know being a like arms dealer. Like it's Stark, like Tony Stark's technology being used as like a you know a, a literal walking arsenal. It's like a direct like uh, you know stab at what tony wants to not do anymore so like i always felt like firepower should have been a bigger deal than he was but he's really just kind of a grunt i guess i'm sorry i never liked the firepower design at all myself yeah they could stand to like modernize and stream like i know he's shown up like again and i think he's had a like more streamlined design but like i don't know i guess it i like in terms of 80s designs, like, I, I guess it's like, you know, it, it's, there's no subtlety. Like, he just looks like yeah. a robot suit with a bunch of missiles, like, sticking out of it, basically, so. I mean, I'll say it's perfect, but I mean, I just, like you said, it's, it's more the concept. They can work on it. They can work on it, you know. I mean, I, I, I always just thought of it as they, they needed somebody to be kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the man mountain to Iron Man's armor, you know, it's like an armored version of Man Mountain Marco or, you know, that I, I don't know exactly what you call that trope, but, you know, I can point to like dozens of them. It's like, you know, I, you know, I, I like I just did a V podcast with Shag, but like I remember there was a TV episode where one of the visitors was like this huge hulking guy that has to fight Mike Donovan. Right. Or or if you have, um, you know, the um, what was that dude's name? um in um in in the the ennis punisher arc right where it's um i can't even think of the dude's name now but um you know he was the big bruiser type guy that came in and and beat the shit out of the punisher in the movie or whatever um and smashed his head through the fucking toilet and all that kind of shit right and you're just like 
the Russian, the, the the Russian. So like 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 that like you know there there's all those kind of archetypes. You know it's like it's like saying like oh okay well we need someone to look even bigger than Superman. So here's Mongol. You know like here's you know and then for Tony Stark I think that's like firepower just because it's like the the. <laughs> It, it, it's that, you know, I, I think it's the same vibe you're supposed to get in the first Iron Man film when you see the Iron Monger. You know, it's like it's like, oh, it's it's Tony Stark's idea, but it's 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 perverted and massively overcompensated. Do You know what I mean? Like where it's just like, oh, you think you're cool? Well, we're just going to do what you did times 10, you know, like, like, and, and just, you know, it's that, that, that idea of they're just going to, you know, they're going to try to oh, sheerly overpower you with, with strength and brutality and size. And, and it, you know, this, this kind of intimidation tactic where it's like, oh, you know, firepower is intimidation. It's like, oh, it's not just a suit of armor. It's a suit of armor. That's like 20 feet tall that has fucking, you know, 50 fucking missiles on it you know what i mean where it's like oh you thought you were bad well look at this you know like like look at this thing like this you know you you, you thought your little tank was badass well our tank has like 40 more missiles and it's uh you know five times as big as your tank so you better run the fuck away like that's i i think to me that's that's all i ever took took firepower as i mean i guess i guess in some sense like it's funny right like the, the people always talk about like you know, what's your, what's your favorite comic story? And then the joke is, oh, you, you like the, the, the comic story where they, you know, brutally abuse your favorite character or whatever. And I guess, I guess it is funny that Armor Wars is my favorite Iron Man story, but this is ostensibly the story where they pound the Silver Centurion armor, which is, you know, as Tony and I said, we, we both really like that armor. It's one of our favorites. And they, they pound that armor into, you know, a bloody paste. You know what I mean? So essentially this is the, the swan song for that Silver Centurion armor. So I guess in some sense there there should be some uh, bittersweet aspect to this, you know, that, that it's the end of an era, right? And and uh, I think the way they played that in the animated thing was... Um, he he comes back to fight the Ed Two Hundred Nine Firepower with an even bigger, uh, almost Hulkbuster esh suit of of Iron Man armor. If I remember correctly, uh, th there might have been like Toy Biz toys where you could stick the one Iron Man into a bigger suit of armor yeah, or something like that, that. That was marketed as like the Hulkbuster armor. Okay, so, okay. but he made it okay. yeah for this. I, okay. I like I love like that. I always thought that was super awesome in the cartoon. Like you know that whole scene where Rhodey and Julia come in and he's his he's his armor's being completed and he's like you know Mark Twain once said the rumors of my death were greatly exaggerated. Iron Man lives. Like that's so cool. It it is kind of funny how the. Uh the operator of the firepower armor starts off as more or less kind of a normal guy. Then he gets a little bit more like, you know, like, yeah, I'm kind of a badass. And then by the time he's fighting Iron Man, he's just like, he's a complete dick. It's like the, the, the power of the suit does kind of corrupt him. It's kind of funny. It's like, he goes from just being like, you know, like, yes, sir, Mr. Core to like, you know, like Iron Man, I will kill you. And like, he just, he just, I don't know. It, it, it is kind of amusing how, uh, I guess, access to such power will, you know, like they say absolute power corrupts absolutely. But like, yeah, to, to Derek's point, though, like 
you know, as comic book readers, you know that Iron, like, you know, Tony's going to survive. You know, they 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 have a plan somehow, some way. But that last shot with the, like the Silver Centurion helmet just busted the fuck open, and just that big blood splatter on the inside. You're like, damn, you know, it's like it's pretty uh pretty uh like you know they Derek was saying code approved comic it was still pretty gruesome it was still pretty like ow that that don't look good <laughs> yeah that looked pretty serious i had a funeral to attend i'm sorry to disappoint you we've got two more issues to go and the synopses are not too long iron man 231 the title is reborn again the world believes Iron Man to be dead, and Tony Stark plans to keep him that way. That is, until Firepower and Edwin Cord begin to strong-arm Stark Industries. Tony goes to work to design a new armor. The new Iron Man confronts Firepower and not only defeats him, but stops a nuclear device from going off. Finally, in a long while, Tony Stark can rest easy. I've got a few notes, but the main note is, did you catch that gem cameo on the first page? I did. <laughs> yeah, and Speed Racer. Truly outrageous. Truly, truly outrageous. And, and for old people, uh, Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island. Wheel of Fortune. All kinds of good stuff. So yeah, this is the, uh, I guess as it's referred to here to after, this is the introduction of the neo-classic armor, and eventually that sort of gets morphed slightly into, uh, I guess, what we affectionately call the big boots armor, eventually. I mean, he doesn't have the big boots in this one, but eventually this armor kind of stays similar, and then he gets basically extra big boots or whatever. This is... I mean, essentially, this is the this is really the end of the Armor Wars story. So, I mean, I, I kind of have some closing thoughts on the story per se. But again, I you know I sort of I sort of uh, jumped ahead and and kind of was mentioning how this is you know essentially my favorite Iron Man story. And I mean, it's it's been you know I, I don't think my top 10 Iron Man stories have changed all that much, but I mean, on the HOCOF blog spot, like Armor Wars was number one when I wrote that list, you know, I think back when, I don't know, Iron Man 3 came out or something, but I, I don't I don't think that that list would have changed all that much. I mean, this is still definitely my, my favorite story. I mean, I understand that to some people, you know, it's like, look, I get it, the story is kind of dense and it's it's frequently filled with all these sort of flashback slash catch-up pages and everything so but to me it's that that's designed to get the readers up to speed like i get that it doesn't read the same as you know i don't know a bendis daredevil trade but you know to me there's there's also an expertise in in how this comic was written in its heyday right you 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 know it was designed to never lose its readers and i i feel like these type of comics like you you get the full 75 cents that you plunked down when you were a kid, right? Like, I mean, these are, these take some time to read. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just, you can't just, I mean, you know, Tony can attest to this. He was cramming at the last minute. I mean, you can't just read this in like two minutes and like just, you know, that's, you're done, right? Like this, this, you know, took you probably a good, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to read some of these, right? Oh, uh, I'm reading at a pretty good clip. This took me about an hour and 45 minutes to go through all these. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not this thing where you can just, 
you know, rip the fuck through it like it's nothing, you know, like so. And 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 to me, that's a good thing, right? I mean, you're you're getting your money's worth, right, out of it and everything. So, I mean, again, the the neoclassic armor is not my favorite armor, but I I do like the armor. It's cool to see. I mean, I guess it's it's more of a return to you know that's why they call it the neoclassic. It's more of a return to the classic roots. It's a it's a, I guess, a red and gold, or a, you know, banana yellow and red, you know, as I like to think of it, armor. So there, there's that aspect to it, and um, and and that, of course, does uh, eventually defeat firepower. And then I think I, you know, since we're going into final thoughts, I'll just say I've got a pretty, pretty Justin level synopsis for Iron Man 232. So just to get that out of the way, uh, the title of that is Intimate, uh, Intimate Enemies. And, of course, I ended the last synopsis with, finally, in a long while, Tony Stark can rest easy. And my synopsis for 232 is, just kidding, Tony Stark has a nightmare. Um, And that's basically the synopsis for 232. And I kind of feel like it was, I I don't know, I I have no evidence of this, but I feel like it wasn't really meant to be an epilogue. Like, I, I feel like this was meant to be, like, a fill in issue during Armor Wars, like, where he was constantly... As to, uh, as as uh, 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 Justin had said, you know, uh, Tony was doing uh, mental gymnastics, and and some of those mental gymnastics maybe resulted in the bad dream sequence that Barry Windsor Smith does some excellent art on. But I mean, I to me, I'm thinking, well, maybe Barry Windsor Smith just took too damn long to draw the fill-in issue, and it ended up becoming an epilogue issue. Like that's kind of my take on it because I, I i think it's funny how you know ostensibly it ends with like tony stark's fine everything's gonna be okay he's sleeping in his own bed for once after these seven issues and then like the issue immediately after he has a nightmare you know and i was just kind of like wait you just told us he was gonna sleep fine like a baby but now he's having a nightmare so um anyway i i just kind of wanted to sort of it's probably unfair, right? It's probably the issue with 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 some really excellent art and and kind of deals with a lot of um, I don't know insight into into Tony Stark's psyche and everything. But I I do really feel like it's sort of an afterthought to the main story as well, which is why I kind of gave the synopsis the short shrift. You know, it's it's not it, it, it's a dream. You know, like essentially, right? And in a, a nightmare at that, like a bad dream. So. 232 what? is my favorite of the Armor Wars issues. Okay, okay. Like, I love the Barry Windsor Smith artwork. It's fantastic. And I also love how it's all... I mean, you you can take the stance, oh, it's a dream, but I, I just love how it's all just a psychological issue for Tony. Like, he's having all these, you know, again, mental gymnastics, and he's it's personified himself inside of his mind as his armor or... Uh, a whack, a wacky weirdo, like techno assimilated version of himself is attacking him, and he has to fight his way through all this. It's just, I don't know. To me, to me, this is like the culmination of everything he's went through. Like I said, he's got to cross a line, and another line, and then another line, and he just keeps going. And throughout all the issues of the armor war, and it kind of it leads to this in the battle, like the last battle he has to fight in the armor wars is inside his mind. He has to fight his himself. He has to fight his own demons. It's not a demon in a bottle. It's just the weight of what he's did and what he's been through. And that's why I 
that's one of the reasons I really really like this issue. Mm. I was joking earlier before we got online that like Rhodey's doing his best diggle throughout most of the Armor Wars. You know, he's like, oh no, this is a good idea, Tony, but I'm going to help you. I, I will say in the 232, like he's almost like demonic diggle. He's like, I'm here to help you, boss. Just kidding. Not going to help you at all. <laughs> <You know? laughs> have have a drink. You know, like yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, like I, I, I like Justin said, I, I really like the art in that epilogue issue. Like I don't know, like I don't, I don't know how, like, uh, like yeah, like Tony like deals with his like you know guilt and you know all the decisions he's had to make. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know, like how, like I feel like that's the only fallout from it though. Like he's like he had a bad dream and that was it, like basically. So like, and then it move, it kind of moves on after this from here, but. But, uh, but uh, I mean, yeah, I, I like the conclusion itself. Like, I like, you know, the, his uh, it's kind of a it's if you've read like the conclusion to like the Obadiah Stain arc, it's kind of a vague repeat of that where, you know, he he gets his new armor. And in that case, it was the Silver Centurion and he like totally owns his new armored opponent. And like he, you know, he finds a way to win, like basically at the end, like and totally like outdoes them. So like, I mean, it's kind of a repeat of that, but I mean, it's still done well. It's still enjoyable. It's still, you know, it's cool when he disarms the nuke and he rips the helmet off of firepower. And the guy was like, I thought you said I, you couldn't get me out. And, you know, he's like, I lied. Like, so, yeah, that's always badass. I, I guess the reason why I kind of give the. Uh, the 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 Barry Windsor Smith nightmare thing, the short shrift, is because of its placement more than anything. But I, I guess I appreciate what Justin's saying. Like even though he says to himself, "I'm finally gonna have a good night's sleep," there there's there's more ramifications than he realizes. So he has this nightmare, and he's he's dealing with the aftermath of of the armor wars, and and you could you could attribute that to you know post traumatic stress, right? Like that's that's something that that can easily be extrapolated from you know from from what had gone on before. I think in terms of what I'm talking about in placement is I I think the moment he builds and wears the neoclassic armor i i guess again i, I kind of feel like he does what tony stark often does which is reinvent himself and and i think by going through that that is also a way to expunge some of the trauma and and maybe guilt or or you know w w whatever uh, after effects that that he potentially would have like that's a that's a way to facilitate that and 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 maybe a healthy way to do it and 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 so i guess to me in my head i'm kind of like i i guess it's kind of like how i feel about the i borg episode with picard like i'm like i thought picard dealt with this like why is he still all grumpy in first contact and i i kind of feel like the same thing like had had the nightmare sequence especially because it's interesting because Tony's self-perception of himself in the dream is still the silver centurion, you know? And it's like, by this point, he shouldn't perceive himself that way anymore. He should perceive himself as the neoclassic Iron Man, right? Who, who's triumphed, but he doesn't, right? It's like, so I don't know to me, like I, 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 that's why my, you know, this tinfoil theory or whatever, but I'm just like, Oh, that, that probably should have happened in like, I don't know. 230 or you know two 231 or something you know what i mean like but but that's just my own 
crazy theory. So I, I and and again, I, I appreciate what Justin's saying that this is his, you know, one of his favorite issues from the from the run. And I, I get psychologically like it, it makes perfect sense. There's a lot of there's there's a lot of interesting and and kind of uh, almost uh, eerie moments, and it's got that kind of stream of consciousness that dreams have, where it jumps from one thing to the other, and it's you know that that kind of unique thing where he's seeing Rhodey as you know I I guess essentially like the the sort of classic Secret Wars era armor, and 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 all the kind of ramifications that that has. Yeah, well, I mean, there's also, like, the obvious imagery of, like, is Tony Stark Iron Man or is Iron Man Tony Stark? Because, like, when the armor's, like, broken away, it's just circuits and stuff. It's not his skin, you know? It's like, you know. But uh, and as far as, like, the actual legit, I guess you would say, last issue, I, I do like the fact that they didn't really just end it. There is still, like, the fact that, like, there's stuff still kind of left on board. It's like, Everything's not completely wrapped up in a bow. Like he he got he got the main thing done. He got the main mission done. But like it's kind of left open that this could still happen again. Or, you know, the the relationships he's damaged are still damaged. Oh, by the way, the the joke that I was gonna say that did not is not gonna age well now is like they were like, you know, they were talking about how Tony Stark is back and like they got a new Iron Man, or like, you know, yeah, we can totally work on his PR. It's like you know, like, yeah, I know. I'll get the guy who does Cosby's uh, PR. Yeah, Marcy's and, like, we should get in contact with Bill Cosby's <laughs> people. You do that, Marcy. It's like, do that. <laughs> it's okay. Rody, Rody fired Marcy later. That never happened. That's why he yeah. fired her. Rody knew. <laughs> Rody knew. Dude, uh, Marcy was probably frying bugs with uh, magnifying glasses, too. I mean, he said, later for you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh gosh. But but yeah. I mean, as far as like all together, I I I don't want to be one of those people who throws around like that word a lot. But it's it's a pretty iconic Iron Man story. I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I would say that like if you think of Iron Man, even like Derek said, if you're not even the biggest Iron Man fan. You probably have some fucking clue what Armor Wars is, you know. Well, there's so. there's some there's a massive legacy to this that, that I mean that's why I brought up the 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 name and the IP just living on because you know I I think in the back of my head I was like oh yeah they 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 probably redid this in weird ways a couple times or something and then when I I sat down and actually looked at it I was like well holy fuck because you've got you've got armor wars, right? And even though John Byrne was pissed off that they called his story armor wars too, it, they did. Right. So you've, you've got, you've got a sequel later on, right. That doesn't have much to do with this, but it's called armor wars too. But then you had those point one issues that they released. That was some kind of, you know, potential sequel to the armor wars. You had, uh, like these kind of like Marvel all ages books that were called like the armor wars that really, I, I don't know that it had much to do with it, but at the very least it used like the, the name brand and the IP of armor wars. You had ultimate armor wars and you had um, that armor <laughs> wars thing that Robinson wrote back when they were doing all those secret wars tie in books where like it was an entire entire city of armored people you know so it's like i want to say in that uh team tony show there was like an armor wars like three part or some shit yeah so i mean they they, you know that that's something where you know definitely for sure the legacy of this you know 
continues, right? It, it's it's become, you know, I mean, as much as Iron Man is a is a name IP, Armor Wars in and of itself is a is a name IP, you know. Like, do you think they even like had any idea? Because, like Mike said, you know, and I, I know we all noticed it, but like, you know, yeah, it was called Stark Wars. It's like, do you know that? Do you think they even had any idea they had kind of lightning in a bottle for this? I mean, I, I'm I'm sure everybody tries to make the best work they can and and make it something that they're they're proud of. So I mean, uh, but but I mean, I, I I also think that when you ask questions like that, I mean, most people like if you actually asked, you know, I don't know, Bob Layton or or David Michelini or or you know, MD Bright or whoever, right? They probably the most genuine and honest answer would be something along the lines of. We we tried to make the best story we could, you know. Maybe they're they're exceptionally happy with how it turned out as a comic book, but most people say, "Oh, I had no idea it was going to be made into toys and cartoons, and you know, get remade as comic books like you know five or six times over, and become this this thing that was in animated shows, and potentially portions of it get you know." I don't know, swiped for movies and this and that and the other thing. I'm sure like they, they they would all say to you, oh, I'm I'm in complete shock that I've had that much influence on, I don't know, popular culture or what have you. Right. Like what like what do you guys think is like the biggest like carryover from this? Like. As far as like, you know, like maybe how writers write Tony Stark or like how they handle Spider Man stories like. Like, is there like something that kind of like goes like, yeah, this is probably because like you know, like I can see how Iron Armor Wars influenced this or something like that. Like, because you were talking about like uh, Tom Cruise, Derek, you're talking about how like his paranoia would play really well into it, and you know that's kind of from you know Armor Wars, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like I said, I think going forward, this kind of set the stage for Tony to become increasingly like you know paranoid. Like, you know, going like, you know, thinking he knows best and going his own way. Like, you know, he eventually drives Rhodey away for a little while. Like, I mean, and uh, you know, you go to Galactic. Like I said, you can chart the progression from this to Galactic Storm to the crossing. Like, I mean, right, right. All that shit where they tried to make Tony Stark more of a morally like dubious kind of guy. And and it's somebody who was who became more protective of his his own IP, right? His own intellectual property or his own creations and stuff like that. Because you know, I, I I think that's one of those things where you know, to, to, you know, I, I I think you know, this is not even necessarily part of a direct legacy, but you know, the the notion that even even that War Machine. Uh, comic that we read where it ties into Secret Invasion and Iron Man doing this whole thing of like, okay, my my Stark tech got corrupted, but Rhodey, you're my ace in the hole in case everything goes wrong. Like, like the, you know, you, you wouldn't have a Tony Stark that had backup plans within backup plans to prepare. You know, it's like it, 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 the difference is this. He never saw it coming and it became this whole obsession and everything. Whereas nowadays the, the stories are more like, you know, that corruption, that, that uh, you know, that virus on your computer, it's an inevitability. It's going to happen. Like, it's just how do you, you know, what, what, what did you do to prepare for that day when it finally goes down? You know, like this is the origin story of Tony Stark prep time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
evolution is a constant, even for the world's greatest superheroes. Founding members have departed, new members have stepped in to fill the ranks, and their final memories of Happy Harbor are of a stunning betrayal and the loss of their secret sanctuary. But there is only one place to go for the Justice League of America, as they march into the Bronze Age of Comics, straight up! More precisely, 22,300 miles up above the Earth. Welcome to a bold new era for Justice's First Dawn, a classic Justice League of America podcast. Your host, Mike Peacock, invites you to make yourself comfortable for over 100 issues and their very first annual with the League as they enter the much-beloved satellite era. Here's a brief sampling of the thrills and chills that await your podcast catcher. A veritable who's who of new members, such as the Elongated Man, Red Tornado, Satana, and Firestorm. Surprise membership returns. More epic team-ups with the Justice Society of America, along with appearances by the Legion of Superheroes, the All-Star Squadron, the New Gods, and even a combination of the DC Universe's greatest heroes of history. A galaxy of superstar writers such as Denny O'Neill, Len Wein, Steve Englehart, and Jerry Conway. The longest artistic run in the book's history by the astonishing Dick Dillon, along with contributions by Neil Adams, Don Heck, George Tusca, Rich Buckler, and George Perez. All this and more surprises and excitement await you in this new phase of Justice's First Dawn. Come along with Television's Era-certified super friends at classicjla.podbean.com or subscribe to the show via iTunes. Oh yeah, and there's the debut of Ultra. Yay! I, I think we're kind of done with, with Armor Wars, unless anybody has any final thoughts. And um, as I kind of mentioned to the guys before the show, we did we did get an email feedback from uh, a friend of the show, so I did, I did kind of want to take a second to read some of that out. So yeah, so we, we got an email. This email is from friend of the show, Michael Peacock, and he is the host of Justice's First Dawn, the classic Justice League of America podcast, which I, I think is on hiatus at the moment. But but yeah, there's I think there's still episodes out there that people can listen to if they so choose. But he did send us an email uh, a little while back on the Death of Captain Marvel episode and the Operation Galactic Storm episode. So it, it's kind of timely. It kind of delves into some things that we kind of briefly touched on while we were just discussing armor wars so i just thought it, it was something that we should you know read out and and uh and, and of course this is the first time i think any of the other fan holes are hearing this at at this point hi derek and multiverse of fan holes exclamation mark i've had moments of pulling the trigger for feedback for your show but after some time of catching up i finally got the window of mental opportunity to talk about these two episodes one because of personal attachment reasons, and another due to completely fanboy reasons. The death of Captain Marvel. Who boy. This will be the more weighty of the observations. You see, outside of my completely agreeing with you about this graphic novel being a masterpiece by Jim Starlin, and agreeing that it's something that's just so heavy you cannot visit it too often, my catching up with this episode came just the day after my loved uncle russell passed away from a battle with pancreatic cancer 
I think personally, I didn't know I needed this episode to confirm a lot of my conflicted and sad feelings about his loss, but it did legitimately help me process my own grieving methods and made me realize there is not really a quote unquote unhealthy way to grieve. So for that alone, thank you for helping me put my loss in context. And then on Operation Galactic Storm, he says, the notion of a massive Avengers event in the 90s where that turf was reserved for mostly the X-Men or Spider-Man makes this event even more, all caps, special in my regards. I think it was Michael that said he preferred this over the more legendary, quote-unquote, Kree Scroll War, and I 100% agree. At least with this event, you didn't have Rick Jones pull a dumb resolution out of his butt. I hate the ending of the Kree Scroll War. As for video game connections, there's a wonderful piece of homebrewed gaming out there called Open Beats of Rage, which is essentially a fan-made beat-em-up engine where people have made some awesome spiritual successors to the original Data East, Captain America, and the Avengers. I'm kind of sad none of them have touched on the option of making a similar Galactic Storm approach, but maybe someday we'll see an independent developer give us the opportunity to relive that epic conflict with Shatterax. Thanks, as always, for the hours of entertainment, and take it easy. Sincerely, Michael Peacock, with great power comes great responsibility. Thanks, Michael. And again, we're we're all kind of uh, sorry to hear about your uncle, but we're also happy to hear that listening to the Death of Captain Marvel episode was comforting to you. And then we were also happy that you, you got through all whatever, like, three hours of Operation Galactic Storm. So congrats on that. Yeah, thanks, man. Like, we appreciate all feedback, and we're glad we could uh, be timely, you know, as unfortunate as you know that is, as that timing is but if it helped you then you know you're welcome so i think i think that's it for tonight and if you guys have any comments questions concerns like like michael peacock you can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com we are over on the fanholspodcast.blogspot.com you can direct download all the episodes of comics motherfucker do you read them over on the blog spot, in addition to all our other shows, we are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. And we can be found on Apple Podcasts. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC. Wait a minute. That's also my armor. Signing off. Hey, it's Mike. Signing off. This is Justin Dospadania, comrades. This is Tony, guys. And if I just put this negator pack on and nothing's working, that can only mean Garrett didn't push the record button. Just pass.